HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Catskill Provisions. Located in a small corner of northwest Catskill Mountains, they specialize in creating raw, all-natural, handmade food products. For more information, visit CatskillProvisions.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sim. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. In the studio today, we have bar manager of the Experimental Cocktail Club in New York City, Nico DeSoto. Nico, welcome to the show. Thank you, Damien. Nice to have you here. Um, you've been at the ECC. This particular location has been open for, what, about six months or so now? Yeah, a bit more than that. We opened uh, late, uh, late April last year. So beginning, yeah, 26, if I remember well. Cool. And you're right there on Christie Street, Lower East Side. Uh, yeah, so we 191 Christie Street is really next door uh, to the box. Uh, we're basically between uh, Stanton and Remington. Cool. It's a great location, man. It's a good location, and uh, more and more stuff are opening around, so it's, uh, we're happy to be there. Yeah. Nice. Um, with that much traffic and having such a like a like, you know, cocktail bar that's kind of high in demand as far as like, nightlife goes, do you find uh, you're getting like, kind of a different crowd with that much like, street traffic? Uh, we have, yeah, we have a kind of, it, we don't have a specific crowd. We, we have pretty much everyone, um, people from the neighborhood. We have a lot of people from Chinatown as well. Uh, the only thing I would say we don't have, it's uh, a real uh, after work crowd, you know, guy from offices, Wall Street and stuff like that. Uh, we don't have that early, but that's pretty much. Everything. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It would, you know, typically you get that, that kind of happy hour crowd coming out and grabbing that after work drink the much needed after work drink yeah know? yeah but it's it's coming it's coming slowly it's coming slowly like um i think people like first of all when you open you know we open just uh, before the summer and uh in the summer we start opening only at uh, eight o'clock if i remember well so i think people o- o- as well get used to that and uh, you start coming at that time but now people are coming earlier and earlier and and um, we have a good crowd cool and uh, so you actually have been working with this company for longer than that Oh yeah, so I'd start, I'd start, I start as a bartender at Experimental Cocktail Club in Paris in 2009. Um, 
it was only for a few months. I started in May, worked a little bit at Curio Parlor, one of the, their locations as well. Uh, but I, I, I left to do like a small travel around the world. Uh, at that time, I went to, um, to South America, uh, worked a little bit for the Winter Games in Vancouver. And uh, then um, I worked a little bit in New York when I, when I, oh, I was off for the, the opening of, at Drum and a little bit at Painkiller as well. And then uh, Romy de Goyanov, one of the owners, came and asked me to open the location in London. So I went back, I uh, went to London, opened the lo location. Um, we opened in December 2010. Worked for a year there and then moved back to New York to open that one. Cool. Did you, was this just kind of like a personal journey you wanted to take around the world, uh, like as far as travel goes, or did, were you focusing on learning new techniques and uh, learning about different spirits and ingredients along the way with your travels? Uh, a little bit. Well, I'm a big, big fan you know of travels and discover like different kind of cultures and people um, so um, I started traveling way before bartending uh, I was usually like doing a small job and travel for like six months coming back um, I spent two years in Australia like that and I fell in love with travels and going everywhere tr trying to pin every city in the world right now um, but uh, yeah, uh, when I started bartending, I used as well the, the travel to um, to visit distilleries, to to try uh, local um, uh, spirits. So, and it's even interesting as well when you try to create drinks. Uh, you know, you have when you, when you have certain flavors and or drink uh, uh, along your travel, you can uh, you can really use it for for your cocktail menu, for example. Yeah. What were some of the most interesting uh, ingredients or, or spirits that you found along the way? Um, I know that's a hard one to answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, I tried a few local uh, Arak in, um, in Indonesia that were interesting. Um, but uh, talking about ingredients, it's more like stuff I will use, for example. For right now, for example, I'm working on a drink... Um, with pisco and there's a there's when you travel in peru if you go to very you know cheap restaurant local restaurant they serve you like a soup and usually there's um there's a drink called a chicha morada uh, basically it's made with blue corn and and pineapple and cinnamon it's uh, it's a big thick and it's delicious and uh, i'm trying to do something like that right now oh cool that sounds pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> i like pineapple and cinnamon in like any kind of earthy spirit like tequila or pisco they always work really well together yeah and the blue corn is something like uh, that i don't see much in drinks so i, I want to try that way to, to yeah. do something a little bit different and we'll see how it works cool um well, that being said uh with the experimental cocktail club uh what is your like cocktail style and focus or do you kind of span or like, what's your like mission statement well, we have first of all we have a, four, a small a small list it's only 14 drink uh we're changing like four or five times a year um, I don't put classics on the menu because classics are awesome we, we all know it there's a lot of bar that use classics so I try to to do only creation mm -hmm. um, I approach um, the drinks like a little bit like cuisine you know like cooking uh, mm -hmm. like trying to to marry some ingredients that you, you wouldn't think wouldn't be obvious and uh, so I try to, to do like homemade syrup. I try to, to work on infusion. I try to work with certain technique that uh, that give a little bit, um, you know, something special. Like you know, it, it's not I'm not inventing anything, but you know, like carbonating stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. so I like to work on that. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of an interesting thing that that has come up uh, like over the last year is like doing the carbonated cocktails, yeah. and also any kind of like charged, like using a like a nitrous charger or, or like a CO two charger to even do like flash infusions, mm. like with a nitrous charger. That's a pretty cool thing. Like I know Aaron Polsky and I did one with like black trumpet mushrooms and scotch. It was crazy. Yeah, and you could do it in like thirty seconds. You know. That's yeah, a really like, cool thing. But Bl- Black pepper mushroom and, and, uh, and scotch. That's funny because I just uh, released a, a drink on the menu with scotch and uh, shiitake mushroom. Oh, yeah? yeah it's it's really a great good. combo. I mean, like yeah, a yeah. lot of like funky earthiness, you know, it, it works really well together. It works really well. Yeah. That one also had, we did scotch with black trumpet mushroom and then like cacao and absinthe. It was crazy. Yeah. It was like a, it was a camping trip. Yeah. It was like, you have whiskey, mushrooms, and absinthe. That sounds really good. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I like that. That's uh, what are some of the other styles or some of the other cocktails you have? Like some of the ingredients that you like using. Well, we have a we have a drink that I start putting on a menu uh, in London. It's called Cota Ternate. It's uh, the name is a bit hard to say. It's a, it's a, basically it's a, a small city in a small island in Indonesia. Uh, while I was there, you know, I had a small guide who told me, who showed me around the city. It was really nice and. Uh, and he showed me, you know, like the nutmeg and the cloves because that's what the what that's why uh, the, the island was famous for the, the export of that. And I promised him if I create a drink and I put like you know like Indonesian style or, or like nutmeg and cloves and I put arak in a drink, I will call it uh, Kota Ternate. Uh, that so basically it's a milk punch. It's a milk punch. It's clarified uh, with whey protein. Right. So a lot of spices, coconut water, arak, uh, Batavia arak, and uh, and rum. Um, we infuse it uh, a few days with spices and um, and after uh, on the side I boil a lot of milk and once it's bo- it's boiling I add lemon juice mm-hmm. and it's gonna cure the whole milk and so it's, it creates like kind of mud you know like with the whey protein and once you put that through a super fine bag like twice or three times it clarifies the whole drink so it's really nice in color and texture and, and we bottle it we serve it in a small bottle oh, so nice. people love it that's really cool. I, I, and as well, it's he- very helpful because, you know, on, on a busy night, when you have uh, a lot of tickets in front of you and half of the drinks are that one, then, you know. It's the best. Oh, yeah. It's like having, like, punch on the menu. Exactly. You know? It's like you can just bang that out when you're busy. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's it's you're not, like, really, like, cutting down on any kind of, uh, like, integrity of the cocktail. You're no. just You just made it easier for you. Exactly. <laughs> it's still a delicious drink. I and, think, and people and people are happy you see when they see the small bottle arrive they're like oh that's different that's yeah. cool and they love it I think milk punch is a really cool drink and it's one of those things that when people hear it it sounds kind of weird you know yeah but it's it's a really really cool old school cocktail and I've seen like I've seen some people experimenting with it lately like actually putting on their menus I know like uh, Roger Lomax from uh, the third man he was talking about it one time about doing a milk punch and uh you know dave arnold was talking about doing also one as well there's but there's one really good i don't know if you've been to um to aska yet no not yet uh that that's a really good it's uh, shiraz and um and imon Roque. so they're really really good bartenders really creative you know they, they've, they've been i think both uh, were sh- chef before mm-hmm. uh they start uh, working at uh, Eleven medicine bar well anyway they do a uh, very nice menu and there's a milk punch as well like that it's uh, i think it's with olum tea and uh, i don't remember the spirit but it was it was really amazing as well nice i like teas and drinks too mm. 
to eat, like you know, it's obviously something that you can. You don't want to like necessarily brew a tea unless you brew it very strongly. Um, but it's it's a really cool infusion, you know, like basically the way you would make a tea anyway, you know. But instead of water, you use booze. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, <laughs> and you can and do it. It's very versatile, you know. You have so many different teas, so it brings more different flavors in the drinks, and it, that's very interesting. One of my bartender told me um, told me about uh, the Hong Kong milk tea recently. Um, he, he spent time in China and he tells me that it's really good. So he brought me to um, to Chinatown and we had a Mo- Hong Kong milk tea together. Uh, basically, you know, it's an overstep, uh, a lot of, lot of different black tea. and But it boils for around like maybe one hour. You know, it has to be very strong in tea. Right. And then they put condensed milk and uh, they aerate it a little bit, you know, like a, like a blue okay. blazer basically. Um, and they serve that, and it, that's really good. So, um, so we create a drink like that uh, on a menu uh, called Tangmu and Jelly. It's a mix mm-hmm. between um, um, Hong Kong milk tea and and Tom and Jerry. Tangmu Jelly is a Tom and Jerry in Chinese, nice. and it's a Hong Kong. It's with Hong Kong milk tea, and um, and we we aerate it a little bit, and we put the batter from the Tom and Jerry, and we put um, uh, Crescent Black Strap Rum and Cardinal Mendoza Sabre and it's uh, nice, really good. And you make the batter every day. Obviously, you have to do that every day. Yeah, well, my bar bag does. <laughs> yeah. God bless him. Yeah. Um, that's cool. I mean, like, do you, do you, when you aerate it, do you toss it back and forth like a... No, so the, that's the thing. Uh, I, I couldn't do that, especially it's um, it's on a busy on a busy net day. You know, there's going to be milk everywhere in the kitchen. It will be a, <laughs> a disaster. So I, I bought, you know, that, that kind of... Um, I don't know how you call that. It's a metal thing that you put for latte, you know, the latte coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah. That aerates. Yeah. It's so I, little, we use that. We put wand. it in a glass. Yeah. And we serve it in, um, I bought online, you know, the, the coffee cup, um, like the Greek one, we love you or something. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, I bought a lot of cup like that and we serve it to the customer in, in this cup. Nice. Is it the one with uh, like the blue and orange yeah, like print? that one, yeah. Cool. That's great, man. See, I, that's really cool. I like the idea of putting like the milk punch in the bottle and like doing the coffee in the coffee cup. That's one. That's one part of the presentation. I mean, obviously, you know, there are different glassware for different drinks because of the way, for instance, like wine. There are different wine glasses because of the way it's going to aerate the wine. You know, and obviously, you put drinks on the rock sometimes, sometimes on pebbles, sometimes on a big rock, sometimes you serve the meat. But the way you present something in a glass is very important. And especially if you go, if you think that, like, outside of the box and outside of the normal back bar and, like, what you have for, like, your Collins glass, your Rocks glass, your Coupe, your wine glass, all these, and start doing cool stuff like that. I love that. It's great, man. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. It's, it's always difficult because you can't do everything you want because, you know, sometimes it's costly. Mm-hmm. And we are not a small bar. We, we can be high volume on the weekend. It's super packed. So... And people, you know, you know, people take away things. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's, there's some stuff I would like to work with, but I can't. Yeah. If you go to a place like, uh, have you been to Artesian at the Longham Hotel uh-huh. uh, in London? Well, they, they have a lot of different glassware and, you know, they're going to use it in special occasion. And that's super cool. That It's kind of like going to a tiki bar and having all the different uh, tiki yeah, exactly, bars. Yeah, you know? exactly. Of course, those get stolen as well. As well. <laughs> I know we do, like... The perfect example of a classic cocktail that's served in uh, alternate like glassware is the Moscow Mule. You know, it comes in the the little copper or copper uh, brass, cup, yeah. yeah, the mm. copper cup. And the thing is, like, it's the most simple drink ever. Yeah, it's a vodka and ginger beer with lime. 
but it comes in that cup and people freak out about it. It's just, you know, it's like that little extra bit of presentation. I haven't seen a lot of bar actually uh, serving it in that cup. That's we, we serve it on, in the highball as well, actually. But. Yeah, we, yeah, we do it in the highball as well. But it's like, you know, if you that's have it, funny. might as well use it. Mm. And that's cool. That's really cool. That's like taking it to the next level. Exactly. Cool. Let's take a quick break, Nico. And when we get back, we'll continue talking cocktails with Nico DeSoto, the bar manager of Experimental Cocktail Club in New York City. Back in a moment. You're listening to Leaving by Dead Stars on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Catskill Provisions has Valentine's Day literally in the bag with their Seal the Deal gift bag. Start with chocolate honey truffles and then move on to breakfast in bed with their traceable organic pancake mix and New York State maple syrup. Sure to satisfy any ardent locavore, check out the Catskill Provisions Seal the Deal package at www.catskillprovisions.com. You are listening to the Speakeasy. We have Nico DeSoto of the Experimental Cocktail Club in New York in the chair in the studio today. And uh, we were just talking about some of his travels and uh, how he had set up the Experimental Cocktail Club in London and uh, and had started with this group in Paris and uh, eventually made his way to New York City and worked at Tram with a bunch of our buddies who have been on the show. What was that like? First of all, like... I, I would be very frightened. That's when I met you, actually. You yeah. were working Yeah, we met at Drum the, the first time. Uh, well, you know... I was afraid for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was not afraid. I was actually very thrilled, thrilled because, you know, I was coming from France and I had my first job in New York. It was a, a dream for me to come and work here. And uh, it happened to, to be at Drum. Uh, Tom Shadwick uh, was really nice and to take me and uh, gave me a few shifts. So I was doing like between three and five shifts a week. Um, that's where, where I met uh, Jeremy Hortel that we know, and Francis Neros, Nick Jarrett, Tonya Guffet, uh, Mayer. So it, uh, yeah, it was a great team. Um, I was, m- most of the time I was working by myself because I was doing like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I was working by myself, but sometimes it happened. I was doing a shift with Frank and, uh, and Nick sometime on a weekend. So that was great. Great guys to work with, you know, really, really insightful, you know, people uh with uh with cocktails and 
And thank Jared. I mean, just that guy alone, you know. Yeah, Jeez. he teach me, teach me a lot of things. Um, he's, a, he's, he's a very clever guy and a very good, uh, very good bartender. Yeah. And Frank Cisneros teach me how to make drink with uh, cucumber in Saint-Germain. So he's a good <laughs> bartender as well. Nice. You hear that, Frank? That's for you, Frank. <laughs> That's for you, man. So um, let's go back to, uh, like, yeah, you, got, you started off with this company, and they own five bars in, in Paris, and then the one in London. Yeah, so they opened the first one in 2007, Experimental Cocktail Club. Uh, very, very small bar, very influenced uh, by the, um, the New York scene, uh, Speakeasy. So wh- when I came in, in New York the first time, I, I could see like small detail then we're in a, in a bar, in a two-first bar in, in Paris. Um, a year later, they opened Curio Parlor in the fifth district uh, on two levels and uh, with a bar downstairs uh, with a lot of, it's the only Nika bar, you know, Nika, the, the Japanese whiskey mm-hmm. uh, outside Japan. Um, a year later, so 2009, they opened Prescription Cocktail Club. 2010, they opened, or we opened in London, and as well um, a wine bar uh, called La Compagnie des Vins Naturels. And uh, 2011, well, actually, no, 2012, we opened New York, and as well, they opened, so on two levels, a restaurant and a club. Uh, the restaurant is uh, called The Beef Club, and downstairs, the bar room. And now we are working on different projects. So I know it uh, might open uh, in Mexico City oh, with wow. uh, Hotel Americano. Nice. Uh, they're working on Ibiza as well right now. And there are a few wine bars coming, one in London, one in, uh, in New York. So they're always working on new projects. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's a, it's a lot to, uh, lot to take in, man. Uh, well. <laughs> I hope they pay you well. <laughs> well actually, you know, I'm, me, I'm, I focus, I'm focusing here in New York, and you know, yeah. I, I don't really deal with uh, all the other bars. They have great bartenders and cool. good teams. So. Yeah, we were talking about it before the show, uh, you know, because you're like general manager, bar manager there, so you take on a lot of responsibilities. Like, it's, do you find it difficult to, like, keep your head in the game as far as, like, creativity for cocktails when you're worrying about, you know, uh, who's fixing the ice it's, machine or it's who's harder. ordering straws? <laughs> yeah, it's harder. I, I have to admit it's harder. I do like I do two shifts. So I do two shifts on a Sunday, Monday behind the bar. And on the three days I have left, I do basically general manager and bar manager. So it's a lot, it's a lot in three days. I have, a, have an assistant, uh, Coco, who is a very nice guy, is hard worker. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's... If I want to focus and for example, if I want to, to do the cocktail list, I need to isolate myself and not think about like all the problems or bills and stuff like that yeah do so when you do like when you want to focus on creating cocktails can you do that in the bar or do you have to do it like at home or like in the office you know because i feel like you know when i'm at the bar and i'm trying to work on cocktails i'm constantly like being interrupted by like something that needs to be done you know otherwise and it's like I, i have to like work on my cocktails like either like after hours or exactly before the shift no i can't i absolutely cannot uh, work on a cocktail list uh, at the bar either in the office or you 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 can focus is there someone talking to you or so it's not possible no the way i do it just i i do it at home Mm -hmm. i sit i have you know I, i start to think about the concepts and once i have the concept and the recipe then i start uh, playing around uh, at the bar but yeah uh, so and like go back to like the the creative 
process. You know, like you said before, you take a lot of that from like culinary styles mm-hmm. and uh, different dishes, which I think is really cool. And I think it works out really well, especially, you know, especially in the city where we have access to so many different types of ingredients and spirits and everything. It's like, it's, we basically have like an open like playground to, you know, work with. Oh, yeah, pretty much everything. Uh, you have like uh, the, the best uh, selection of spirit. It's it's some sometimes it's tough to to find you know like small for example I was working on the first menu with um with uh, um, a ratafia and uh, it was very nice but the thing it was not available all the time so when you put a drink on the menu especially in a high volume cocktail you need the the the, the thing to be always there yeah and sometimes that's that's a bit of a problem but um, outside that you have market you have you know chinatown you can find a lot of crazy stuff and all the the spices store like you have you know the famous one on uh, first avenue and Sixth street yeah uh, and there's sos chef as well that one's cool mm. they're doing all those distilled uh, it, like they do all these oils and distillations it's really cool yeah yeah and uh but but the only thing as well it's there's a there's still a limit of uh, what we can do because you know we are we have a small kitchen and it's we don't have all the equipment that the chef will have so it, it, won't, it wouldn't go f- further than that. You know, when, when you work with a kitchen, uh, like they do Aska, and they have like sous vide, and then you can go further and, and create more and more. And, and, and it's even better when you can work with a chef because like, like the bartender, we know, we know our spirits, we know combination, but the, the chef knows stuff about food and way of cooking and that we don't know. Yeah. And when you can combine both together, it's super interesting. The funny thing, like just to... To add to that, it's funny. You know, I always say that like that's the best relationship you can have is like between the bar and the kitchen. And you know, to be a chef, it's like you've got a there's there's no like bartending school that you can go to that's like that, that you're going to learn how to do all this stuff. And you know, most of it's most of the creative stuff is outside. It's more on the culinary side anyway. You know, so it's not something that we've been exposed to in you know Jerry Thomas's book or you know whatever you know. But I, I think that that's a very strong relationship. You know, like you said, even technical stuff. You know, like like you, you know, like your clarification for your milk punch. It's like that's not something that you get taught in your your bartending one hundred and one. No, that's not. But uh, that's uh, that's fun to play with, and and the chef can, you know, all the the, the if you look, for example, Tony, what he does at uh, sixty nine Colbrook Row. Mm-hmm. Or the cock, or the Zeta House and uh, and Dave Arnold as well. Bukendax, they use uh, they use sous vide. They they use um, centrifuge. Mm-hmm. Um, they use rotovap. Rotovap. Uh, one small thing, you know, one small thing I discovered only recently that that's the bricks matter. That's gonna tell you exactly the amount of sugar you have yeah. in your syrup uh, or your cordials. W- when you use it. You know, because you know, sometimes when you're gonna make a syrup with like fruits and it's gonna release water, if you you ne- you're never sure what you're gonna end up. And checking with the bricks meter, I, I noticed that sometimes, you know, there's less there's less sugar than you think. And with a bricks meter, that's a small thing. You put a drop of the syrup and it tells you exactly. And then you can put more sugar and put the syrup fifty fifty as you want, and you have a much better consistency. So small stuff from the kitchen that yeah. you can use and are very useful in the end. It's pretty tech. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what though? I kind of like. I, I appreciate all that stuff, and and if I had it around, I'd I'd probably use it way too much. <laughs> you know, if I had a rotav app, it, it'd be a problem. Um, but you know, there's something to be said about like the like the human nature and like the 
inconsistency of like the human touch to it you know it's like yeah sometimes and it's just like actually not just human touch but like the natural progression of like you know one year we used uh 15 tristar strawberries for our strawberry syrup but then the next year it's like oh well obviously you're tasting this and making sure that it tastes from your memory what it what's consistent but you know following a recipe that way can lead to it being less consistent you know so i i feel like like bricks meters that's awesome but uh, sometimes it's nice, you know, just like the same way that like two different bartenders can use the exact same spec, the same juice, and just depending on the way they shake the cocktail, it's going to taste different, you know. Exactly, exactly. So I, I think I think both sides are admirable. It's like finding that sweet spot in the middle, like using the technology we have, but also relying on like someone putting their hands on it, you know. Yeah, and you know, and it's not anyone. It's you need you need time. As well, you know, like if you use Rotovap, you need time for that. Uh, you need, you can't do that in a in a very high volume bar anyway, right. because you, otherwise you're gonna spend like uh, five bar bags doing preps all day. Um, so it's just something, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't use it in every bar. Yeah, sure, but then yeah, exactly, because then the, every bar would be the same. Yeah, and that's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> And as well as you know, like because you guys have the the five bars in Paris, you got the one in in London, the one in New York, and many more to come. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Awesome. So, what's the uh, website? Where can we find uh, information about? Um, we don't have we don't have any website for the um, for the bar, um, but we have a page. Uh, so if you if you type ECC Lorry Side or Experimental Cocktail Club Lorry Side. You'll have just a page with uh, basically the, the hours and, uh, and the address if you want to, to book a table, if you want to make a reservation. Cool. Um, we're not, we're not, um, people think we're reservation only, but we're not reservation only. It's just if you, if you want, you know, like you're coming with a group and you want to ensure you have a table and then you send us an email and we take care of that. But, uh, yeah, that's actually really cool because a lot of places don't take reservations these days. A lot, a lot of places don't, but I think it's when you want to plan something, when you're a small group, or when you, if you come with your girlfriend and you want to be sure and you have a, a nice corner or a nice spot, to, and it's, it's nice. You know, we have someone working on reservation all day, and we try to please everyone. Yeah, awesome. Cool, man. Well, you know what? You've invited me. I haven't been yet, reluctantly. I oh, you have that. to come. But I will, I will definitely be jumping in. So you said you're there on Sundays and Mondays? Sunday, Monday, bartending. Otherwise, I'm there Tuesday. Friday and Saturday, uh, running around. Up Great. And down. I'll be there on Monday. Nico, Sweet. thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And check out the Experimental Cocktail Club in New York City. All right, that's it for today. We'll see you next week on the Speakeasy. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.